0: Good morning. Welcome to Good Vibes with Jason B. A broad mind, some more podcast, and let's get the morning started out with. This is variety episode uh, twenty nine. Uh, we're going to talk about Kim K. wanting to become an attorney, how to become an attorney, and what I think about it. We're going to talk about water—you know, bottled versus tap—and the I—I I would have to say extortion costs of wa- of ha- having drinking water. Um, we're also going to talk about anchor. Anchors changes and upgrades um, what they've done and what I think about what's going on. I really don't want to complain. And, ha- and the question is, have they gone too far? And the last, uh, we'll be talking about a motivational moment. So stay tuned and we'll be right back to you, okay? Now, it's not too often do I actually talk about specific celebrities, really, because most of the time I don't care and the power that they have, and influence they have over our society, but yet it is t- there is a subject matter about a specific celebrity that touches on a subject matter that I personally um, am interested in, and only because it's my profession. Uh, when I was 13 years old, I, I dreamt of, I started dreaming of becoming an attorney. Um, I remember when I was eight, I started ditching school here and there. And I loved watching the old black and white series, Perry Mason. I liked how he was smooth and calm and collective, and he could get the best out of any, any situation and crime and how he defended people that were accused of crimes. And the only thing I didn't like about the show was that the, the district attorney always lost, but he the district attorney always provided a good argument. So there was always a backstory to Perry Mason. So I was lightly inspired um, to become an attorney, although it took me quite a few years to go on to college and then go on to law school and want to actually become a an attorney, you know, and that's a big deal. Um, it, becoming an attorney, it's a long process. So it was announced in the last couple of days that Kim Kardashian wants to be what they call a read attorney, read law attorney. And what that basically means is that she's gonna forego getting a college education, she's gonna forego uh going to law school, but she is gonna study for I think she's required to study under. A an attorney or law firm practice, um, basically like an apprentice for four years, and then she is announced that she will be taking the bar in 2022. Now, since Kim Kardashian is a celebrity based on drama, she's she's an influencer on fashion, she's an influencer on vanity, um, she's gotten her notoriety from I have to say it pornography a little bit, and um, she basically. She hung, she has a lot of famous friends and her family. Also, her dad, her late, late dad, um, Robert Kond- Kardashian, rest in peace, was also a great litigator, great trial attorney. And uh, she was inspired, you know, and she's been working with different movements along, you know, with prison reform uh prisoner rights and so forth. So she has a passion. Now at first when I heard the news yesterday, my girlfriend was telling me, she's like, Babe, do you want to hear something interesting? I said, What's that? She's all Kim K wants to be an attorney. I said, Well, (laughs) right. (laughs) Okay, so and forgive me for saying this, but I just said, oh, so tits and ass wants to wants to jump in the ring, huh? And I'm like, okay. You know. But then I started thinking about it this morning and I was like my immediate doubt, uh, just you know, popped up. It's kind of like being a naysayer. And what, who would I be to tell anyone that it's impossible, or telling them that it's wrong for them to become uh, a barrister or attorney for any re- reason? If she can actually do it, you know what? You have my approval. Yes, I'm a. i l- am I was a little peeved because or bothered by it because it's like she got her fame and fortunes from using her looks and only being known for her looks and making a reality show, which the, the Kardashian empire, I guess you would say is a pretty strong one according to vanity and and fashion. Even she's even set up, helped set up. She's one of the primary reasons why her little sister, uh, um, is it Kylie Jenner, and even Kendall? How they've gotten their um, their empires. Their, the Jenner uh, girls have, you know, forged an empire as well. I think Kylie Jenner is. I think she has like one. She's worth like one billion dollars just off of her makeup line, and she hasn't done anything but other than making celebrity appearances and being famous as an influencer. So that shows you that sometimes it doesn't take a lot of brains to get rich. It just takes knowing the right people. But let's get back to the main subject of the matter. So she's announced that she wants to be a read attorney. And there, and you know what? To be honest with you, that is no easy route. That is probably the hardest route to go, in my opinion. Because in the bar exam, you have a, it's a two-day exam, it used to be three days. You are asked multiple questions, and then you got a long written answer that you're graded on so it's you know it's a lot of memorization memorizing law it's it, it just to study for it alone just the bar exam itself is a monster and i'm not trying to say it to uh to scare people off but here in california it is one of the most difficult tasks you will ever undertake scholastically um you know and that's not taking away from the cpas or anyone who wants to be a doctor but being an attorney is like you're being a master of knowledge and a master of of observance and using critical thinking to a level that most people don't um attorneys as an attorney we are listening to people we are strategizing we are using patience we are using critical analysis of what you say, what happened, what could have happened and why things happened and how you present it. And it basically comes down to it's anyone's game. When they say justice is blind, there's a reason for that. You know, that that and also why they say you're innocent till proven guilty. However, we incarcerate people until they're proven innocent. Depending on the level of charges and the likelihood of conviction. So that is very, very important. Now, not a lot of people know that I'm a legal professional. Um, not a lot of people know that I've gone to law school. Not a lot of, you know, it, it's something that I try. To protect a little bit about my identity and I try to keep it a little separate from my podcasting because my podcasting is a leisure thing and is an informational thing that I truly enjoy and sending my message, whether it be factual, theoretical, or even fictional sometimes in thought, it's, it's something that I personally enjoy. So when it comes down to the legal business, the thing is, is it's not for everybody. I've seen people drop out of law school like, like flies in the first year, you know, I can tell you the first year of law school, you, they, they even tell you on your, um, your introduction day, you know, and they, and they ask your family to come along and they tell you, you are not going to have much of a life for the next few years. You're not going to see much of them. They're going to need all their concentration, everything that they can to get through this pro- program and and do right do right i mean that's exactly you know i gotta thank uh, dean pickett um uh, for saying that you know and i could not be more you know adamant about that you know even my daughters they, they've asked me daddy i want to be a lawyer and they see me working sometimes late at night on weekends And that's a little thing about, you got to understand, becoming an attorney, as a practicing attorney, every single day, you are working at something. You are working at case law. You're working at looking at references of cases, the situation, how you're defending your client, or even if you're working as a prosecutor, how you're going to show that beyond the shadow of doubt, they are guilty. You know, that's just criminal. And then there's litigation, civil litigation. That means arguments for businesses and people with business disputes. Um, Then there's workman's compensation law. You know, how somebody got hurt. There's always a lawsuit when it comes to that. More than likely, it's not always good. And then there's probate, there's real estate law, there's agriculture law, there's corporate law, which is a whole different other monster in itself. There's international law, there's trade law, there's, there's actually so many different laws. And what I've learned is that you may want to be, for example, a criminal attorney, but end up being a real estate attorney. Because when you, when you finish the law school, and you you get your bar license, you're going to work wherever you can get it. And one way or the other, all laws kind of circulate, and they kind of relate to one another in some way or fashion. Though maybe the rules are different, but in theory, they're almost the same in keyword almost. So Kim K, you know, she's been involved with some legal things such as, you know, prisoner reform. She helped, I forget who exactly the lady was, lady was in prison for 20 years on a drug crime, a nonviolent, and she wants to work on prison reform, you know, sentencing reform. And so here's how I really, I kind of appreciate what she's doing because she's already got millions of dollars. She's already rich. So her motivation cannot be by money alone. It has to be by her action because, you know, she's a young, she's a young mother. She has little ones and she has the support system. I'm sure she has a nanny for her children, you know, but being able to put your child aside and say, no, not right now is a difficult thing. I had to do it with my 11 year old. And let me tell you, you know, watching your kids go take off with your family or their mom, because you got to stay and study is no easy thing. And sometimes you want to pull your hair out. You want to get stressed out. But in the end of it all, the goal is that you have a profession that does pay a pretty good amount, and yes, it does pay to a point, but here's the trade-off, the cost of becoming an attorney. If you go to law school, and that's a big if, and you get through, the costs of law school are extremely high. So first, before we even get to that point, we uh, most people go to college. Now, a lot of us go into debt just for the four years of getting a Bachelor of Science or bachelor's of association or associate. So a BA or a BS. And there, I think there's one other, but I'm forgetting what it is. So just getting that alone is already expensive. Like I paid $40,000 for my undergrad. Now it's just to tell you, you know, and in your undergrad, you can get scholarships, you can get grants, you can get funding by the state, you you can, there's a lot of m- ways that you can support yourself and um, getting almost through college without having too much cost. But most of us take out student loans. And that is a big problem and a separate issue. I wish I wish to talk about on another date, but then once you get through your bachelor's, then you got to go through the application process and taking of the LSAT. So here's how the LSAT works. The LSAT is separated into three critical areas. There's the written portion, there's the logic, and there's one other portion I'm forgetting right off the hand, but it's a time test and it's one day and each section, you only get 30 minutes. I mean, this 30 minutes for these complex questions, you feel like you need more time. Which I actually think that if you're going to take the LSAT, I don't think it should be limited to the amount of—I think it's like two hours that you got to take the test, right? So two hours that you get to take the test. Test for, but at the same time, it's like it's nerve-wracking. And here's the other twist to the LSAT: it's you're based on a a percentile, so your scoring percentile is going to actually help determine where you're actually going to be going to law school. And this is another big area when you get through that part of the process. So if you're into the 90th percentile, you're, you're, you're doing really good. That means you're in the high end. You know, if they say you're in the 30th percentile, you're on the really low end. And the LSAT is scored. I think, I think the top score is 180 or is it 200? I think it's 180. No, it has to be 200. That's right. So you get 20 points, just like the SATs, just for filling out your name, your name alone, your information, that's 20 points. But then then comes the beast and then you take the test. And so you, it takes a while to really judge your, get your scores in. Like, I think it took me about six weeks to get my scores back before I actually could apply to law school. So then there comes the application process. Now law school applications are extremely expensive. They're like 25 to $35 per, per um, application. And some of the requirements are you need two certified copies of your transcripts from any college, so if you went to junior college, you need them from there, and then if you went to a main university, then you need them for there, and that's two per application in even your high school uh, official high school transcripts. So I don't know why the high school because I think if you got through college, you might as well have just, you know, who cares? You know, high school is like, like, kind of like a A kindergarten certificate of graduation to me, I mean, it it doesn't really take much to get through high school, but I'm not also downplaying those who had a difficult time of getting their high school diploma. I'm not judging you, but uh, coming the route of which I've gone in education is no easy task. Getting through college took me about, I would say it, it took me off and on 14 years of getting my bachelor's. And I, you know, in my own defense, I, I had many different choices. I joined the Navy. I got out of the Navy. I got hooked up in relationships, had some kids. And I didn't really, you know, I took it serious, but I obviously I didn't take it serious enough to get it done in a, in a critical more timeline. And speaking of which, when I went to college, I had to take classes to get to college prep classes or college, what would be equivalent to college classes. So I had to take um, a beginning, beginning algebra and intermediate algebra to qualify, to take statistics and trigonometry. And I had a weakness in mathematics at a time, but then I eventually got good. Same with English. I had to take a remedial English, like a high school level English class, advanced level. And then I got to take what was called back then English 1A, which was a college certified course. And then to finish out the requirements for English, I had to take an advanced English course. So it was like a a stepping stone per the experience. So it was a long process for me, but I got through it. Then came law school, you know, the application process, going through it. And let me tell you, the first year I was scared. I was like, I really, I did not conceive of how much reading you really have to do. And in order to be an attorney, you got to enjoy reading. You got to be like, I guess you would have to say, the ultimate Indiana Jones, you know, information hunter. You know, you're not going off to a far off destination, you're going into a legal library and you're looking at case study, you're looking at reference. to subject matter, you're you're doing all, and then you got to learn how to write like a lawyer. And that's not easy as it is. You would think that it's easy. So I'm going to give you an example of how lawyers write. Okay. So in law school, they teach you, there's two methods, essentially. There's called the FIRAC. First, there's the facts, the issue, the rule, the analysis, and the conclusion. Now the conclusion a lot of times needs to be really small. But when I really, when I got through the process of all of that, it really started making me think about how to become a better writer and more concise. Then there's the IRAC, which is similar to the FIRAC. It's the issue, the problem, then the rule, which is the law, the analysis and conclusion. So in the analysis, that's where you provide the facts. What is the situation? you know it also can go into the issue so when you first start your first couple paragraphs uh, or probably the first paragraph you're talking about the situation you describe the situation and the problem with it and then you go into the rule of law and how it applies so and whether it can be working in your favor or against you then comes the conclusion the findings so getting into that practice, constantly writing takes a lot of practice. And considering that most colleges and high schools teach you how to read, read and write. I wish they would teach this style more than they would teach the style that I learned because not to devalue the style of writing that I learned in college, but I felt like I never could write concisely enough. And so I got you know, B's and A's in my English classes. And I was really interested in the subject matter, but it wasn't until I took a philosophy logic class. When I took logic, then it was like, okay, then you, when you take logic, it's all about argument and the structure. And there's a mathematics to the argument or logical argument. So once you take logic in college, you actually will be more equipped to argue with almost anyone in for that matter. And then the after taking that logic course because it was a requirement of my my uh curriculum to get my college degree. And I changed my college degree from being a political science or international relations major to philosophy with a concentration in ethics and law. I also got a secondary degree from Humphrey's University here in Stockton, California in a paralegal studies. So I have two degrees Actually, I really have three if you count the AA, but I don't really count my AA. So I got degrees in specializing, and that's when I further got interested in to become an attorney because I was like, it's better to be sure about what you're going to become than go and waste a lot of money because college education is not cheap. It's not, you know, and paralegals can make money, but a lot of times... And most areas, if you're in, if you're not working in a big city, paralegals are underpaid and it takes a long time to get that paid resource that you need and reliability because par- believe it or not, um, I had to volunteer to become a paralegal. Um, cause no one would hire me. I had no experience. You get out of college and, and for those of you who want to become paralegals, be prepared for that. Start working internships, build connections before you even graduate, so you do that. Then came after that, you know, my application and processing to get into law school. And it was, it was just not easy. It, it wasn't. And I worked for um, a legal association dealing with medical records and so forth. And um, got my experience through there. And then, you know, obviously went on to law school, took the bar. And I took the bar three, three or four times. You know, and the first time I took it, I was just like, I wasn't prepared. I thought I was, but I wasn't. And when you get that first test, then you really see, you know, sometimes it takes some people multiple times. I met a guy who actually took the bar 10 times before he got his license, you know, and it costs a lot of money to, to prepare for the actual bar exam. I mean, there are, what is it? Uh, preparation bar exam classes that will cost you 5000 to $10,000 just to get you ready for the test. And you literally, um, I spent probably the last time I took it, I spent a month, you know, away from everybody. I mean, I didn't even see my kid for that whole month before the bar. And it was really hard, you know, constantly being, it's like you practice what you want to become. And it had to be like almost automatic. You know, ingrained that much practice to where you just did it naturally. And that's how you get through law school. So the way that Kim K wants to do it, she is going to be working from now until 2022 to get her bar exam. So if she can do it, Hey, more pro- props to you. Um, I was kind of making fun of her and I, you know, and thinking about it, it's like, Hey, if a celebrity can do that, go for it. You know, no one, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter. You know, if you want to make fun of a person like that or not, it just seems unlikely that she'll be able to get through. But if her dad could do it, she could do it too. And she must have been a smart woman to build the empire that she has with just her name and her, you know, her image, you know, that, that didn't come by accident. I mean, out of any, any influencer or celebrity, she's like the, the queen of them all, if you really think about it. So that's my news about Kim K. Next, we're going to talk about water, um, the problems and the conspiracies. I think that what's going on with water is ever since um, Michigan has been having some serious problems. I've been looking at, you know, as I've been going grocery st- grocery store, looking at the different qualities of water. So we're going to talk about that. So hold on just a second. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay, and we're back again. So we're going to talk about bottled water or processed water versus tap water. Interesting subject. I didn't start noticing a problem until a few years ago when I heard about Flint, Michigan, and the water issues that they had, you know, having lead in the water and their water looking like pee and looking like something uh, polluted that would come out of the worst cesspool of the world. Uh, I didn't understand what all that meant to be honest with you. I I was really blown away when I started listening to the news and people having to have water shipped in to them. And hearing, you know, those interviews, but before even that, you know, way back when I started watching the beverage aisle expand, you know, in grocery stores, I started seeing multiple, multiple, multiple different types of bottled water. And I was like, why is this happening? Why is bottled water so much expensive? And why do you want to drink bottled water? I mean, I live in California and I live in, you know, I live in Stockton, which the water, it, you know, was okay. But then I started really keeping mental notes. So in the last couple years for myself, I started learning about the different types of water. Yes, there's different types of water. There's distilled water, there's alkaline water, there's purified water and where it comes from and California, we've had droughts. We've, we are still in a drought warning, um, state right now. As we speak, uh, we have water issues all over the state and not enough of it to go where we want. And they want to build tunnels from Northern California to Southern California because the water needs of Southern California is so high and farmers and agriculture people are like, hell no, we don't want no damn tunnels going down to LA. They should solve their own. And their response is they can create desalination plants in Southern California and get ocean water. But the reality is, is supposedly that costs so much money. There are other countries like Saudi Arabia, Dubai, you know, Yemen, um, who else? Jordan, Israel, even Turkey, I believe are using desalination plants to create fresh water where they normally, they, they don't have enough resource for water and you never realize how far the extent of need of water really comes from. So, um, you know when you're. I was talking to a friend of mine who's in construction. He's like, yeah, there's four different types of waters that go through um, when we're making buildings. You know, there's the water that goes in for the fire irrigation system. You know, so to put out fires. That means it's not purified. It's not cleaned. It's polluted. You know, it's it's nothing. It's basically meant for extinguishing fires. Then there's uh, water that's Drinking water, you know, that comes out of your tap, comes out of your faucet, your shower; Uh, those are meant, those are supposed to be clean with the highest level of, you know, of cleaning systems possible. There's uh, then there's toilet water, which is an industrial water. You're not supposed to drink, but that's supposed to be purified to a point too, because what happens to sewage? uh, Yes, our sewage after, um, it leaves our toilets and into the systems, they go and clean it out. And there are some places where they recycle water. They clean that out from the sewage and they use it for irrigation purposes and so on and so forth. There's another fourth water that's mostly used for, um, nuclear plants and industrial plants. And I don't know the cleaning processes or if they're purified or not. Uh, I don't have the knowledge for that. So there's a few different types of waters. So going back to Flint, Michigan, um, their piping systems were corroded. They're way outdated. The communities um, needed to update them, but there was no money. And every time there seems to be a crisis, there's always a politician. There's always a government agency saying, we need to create a tax so we can go and fix this problem. Now, my understanding of the tax system is that we pay so much money for them to manage the services and resources of our drinking water. And about three years ago here in Stockton, California, um, the mayor of Stockton, uh, what was his name, Anthony Silva, was arguing against the point of having chlorine cleaning our water, you know, and it's, it does smell, it, it, it does not, it smells like a chemical base. It is to clean out, um, a lot of impurities or parasites out of our water. And, but there's a problem with that. And I was reading a study that, um, estrogen is also upon the cleaning agents of, um, of purifying our water. So, what that does is it in my opinion and this is not factual i have not done enough case study but i have heard and listened to speakers speak about you know um estrogen levels and water in feminizing people and causing biological um, adversities and i don't really want to go too far into it i'm not here to talk about you know is it making people gay or not that's not that's not what i'm after but I do have an interest of what's happening in our society so as a result of that. So we're gonna talk about that maybe some other day when I actually have sat down, done the research and looked at the full ramifications of that. So there's a lot of things that go into purifying water and uh, there's a lot of nasty shit that our our water has to go through a cleaning process before it even gets to our tap. But the problem what Flint, Michigan was raising was how old is our our delivery system? How old are our pipes? How old is our mass water delivery system? And it's alarming across the nation that there are so much failing infrastructure issues with the transportation of water. So getting to the bottle part, you know, it's like, I went the other day. I went to, what was it, Safeway or Costco? And it was like five bucks for a 24 pack of 12 ounce bottles of water. And I started looking at where it came from. And it came from uh, one brand, it came from Saratoga. Another brand came from Los Angeles in San Bernardino County. Oh, yeah, that was interesting enough. It's like, how can you get, why would a fresh water be coming from Southern California, you know, and especially in and the LA area or Los Angeles area, you know, San Bernardino is not too far away from LA. It's really, they're right next to each other and in San Bernardino. Um, there are mountains, but they're not, they're not glacier mountains or anything like that. If you've ever been up there. So, but they have water issues themselves. So it's like, why I can understand where these these agriculture farmers are like, why do we want to ship water down there for you to sell us clean water back up here? And Nestle Corp is also responsible for that because they do have a watering plant in the L.A. area or Southern California. Um, I think Calistoga. I'm not really sure, but I think that's one. Also, the other brands. Then there's. um Oh no! Excuse me, not Calistoga. Dasani. Um, then there's, um, was it Pure Water Brand? And there's several others. And there's like even stars like uh, P Diddy or Pub Daddy. He got he put out his own water brand, and they've all been tested and the what the new thing is now is like how clean is your water how healthy is your water and you need to have live water so that's like a new development that's been founded in the last i guess 10 years in mainstream society so people are switching now instead of buying the regular bottle of water that you can get like in a 24 pack they're looking for alkaline water and alkaline water is live that means there is some kind of bio in the water that keeps it fresh. And that is important because whenever you're going to a fresh water resource, it has to be moving. There has to be something live in it, something that fights against parasites as well. And, um, and people might be irked out by that, but that's just the truth of the matter. So what I've discovered is, you know, drinking cold water is unhealthy for you. Drinking regular temperature, Water is healthy for you You're even drinking warm water is good for you because uh, for those of us who have digestion problems, to build the correct flora in our stomachs, we need to have warm water or te- uh, room temperature. And also when it comes to the hot weather, the summer weather, drinking in cold water water is actually hurting you more than helping you. Um, in most professional athletics, they want their athletes to drink regular temperature water for more absor- absorption. So, your blood, your muscles, your organs need regular temperature because when your body drinks cold water, it lowers the internal temperature in which your body operates. So, you could be, you know, beat red and hot as hell. But what's going to actually replenish the water that you've spent in whatever activity is going to be regular temperature water. So that's my little fun tip about that. But anyway, so if you take one 24 ounce bottle of alkaline water, and a lot of them claim that they're alkaline and they have to be tested, they have to state their pH alkaline level, so not all of them are truly alkaline. And if you want to look up on YouTube, alkaline testing or alkaline waters, um, there's lots of videos of people actually showing you the test of the pH level of healthiness of water. So, but check this out. So 24 ounces of alkaline water was 249 249 for one 24 ounce bottle. But you go and look down below and you look at the 24 pack of bottled water, like whatever brand it is, the basic brand. And it's $3. So what you're paying for is the water to be reactivated and live. So that you can drink it. So it's healthy for you. So it's not acidic. And yes, there is acids in water. Water can be acidic to your system. You know, Um, it can be over oxygenated. You know, these are fun things that I've learned over time. You know, so it's like kind of like, If you use hard water, say like washing your car and you notice like the color of your car kind of, you know, not just being taken away by the sun, but you notice like there's like a white film on your windshield and you see like this lime uh, or this white substance. It's like lime. It's a mineral that's heavy water that's being put on your car. Now just imagine that if it weren't truly purified and then just semi-purified and goes in a bottle of water. And then you're buying and drinking that shit and just thinking what it does to your body. So we're not being conscious. So my big argument about water is why are we paying so much tax dollars for our governments, our local governments, state and city and county resources why are we paying so much in taxes for them to purify our water when it's substandard a lot of times? I mean, Flint, Michigan was not the only example of what's going on here in this nation and what's going on with the delivery system of our healthy waters. You know what I mean? It's it's a big alarm. I'm not trying to scare people, but I'm trying to make you more aware. Now, there are filter systems that you can buy, that you can... Um, I saw a filter system at Costco for $162 and I don't know how long each of those filters last, but you can attach it to your water system. There's uh different associations like Culligan. Culligan is a water treatment system that you, they have installed in your house. Then there's like the big giant bottled water, like the Alhambras. you know, the, those big associations, they bring, what is it, uh, a five gallon jug to put in your, a dispenser. So you're paying, uh, I just got offered like, I think it was like 36 bucks for like five of those delivered to my house, you know, free of charge plus a $3 fee for the equipment. And so, you know, it's like, Whoa, you know, I mean, the water is becoming expensive, but water, water is essential. And since this is becoming an age where people are actually shifting away from drinking sodas and other soft drinks, because the sugar contents, the processed sugars, not pure cane sugar is actually hurting us, making us diabetic, causing severe diabetes. Diabetes is one of the highest uh, conditions. Uh, dent, you know, it is a condition that will threaten your life. It, you can die of a heart attack or a stroke because of diabetes, you know, Um, We've become so addicted to sugar that it's, it's scary. So, but I'm going to talk about that on another day about diabetes and diabetes specifically, but it, trust me, it's there. I'm diabetic. I'm type two. And you know what? It's not fun testing your blood every day or taking metformin, watching your blood levels because, you know, I'm 46 years old. I want to be healthy. So anyway, so this episode is primarily be conscious about the water, how much you're spending, how ways you can, you know, um, be not a water waster, you know, especially here in California. So water, I mean, we have third world countries in the world that we're going to like church organizations are helping to go set up just even pumped water or even to get purified water, you know, and yet in our own country, we have, polluted water coming out of our taps so you know what my message to the local and uh, and national governments let's spend on our infrastructure instead of spending what is it a billion dollars on a fighter jet you know spend it on our 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 local infrastructure we don't need to we're not trying to pick another war so look think about how you're spending your tax dollars Okay, and we're back again. So now we're going to talk about Anchor and the new changes that they've made. I'm not here to talk smack about the delivery system in which I record my podcast, but I'm. it raises a few questions. I've heard people complain about Anchor in the past, but this is one time where it really raised my awareness and definitely kind of irked me a little bit. And Anchor has always made changes, and sometimes those changes have been like, what the hell are you doing? You know, when I first started recording with anchor 2.0, I used to love the, you know, you could uh, echo, which is take somebody else's recorded statement and share it on your show and share the exposure and even gain listenership because you've, you know, shared their material. So it was a good thing, but then they stopped that when 3.0 came. Uh, One of the things that you could do before with, say like your call if you're calling messages, what you could do is privately and not always post everything, you could see a back and forth conversation. You're only allowed to record one minute and then you can choose where you want to post it in your episode. So now Anchor has decided to eliminate that aspect of going the back and forth. You can just see what your received messages are. So on the mobile as well as the desktop portion, you can only see what is actually you know, being sent to you. You can't see what you've sent to them. And how it affects things is how some of us have arranged our episodes like the back and forth. So say like my good friend Maria Humphreys, if she called in and we had a few minutes back and I can choose which messages I want to put according to the way the dialogue was going. And I could hear, rehear what I said just in case if I said something off, you know, or I wasn't sure what I said, um, I could, you know, arrange it in different segments, you know, even putting it in with my episode, what I said to them and then what they said to me. So anchor is definitely. So my question to anchor is why are you changing something? If it's a free platform, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to change, but if it's a free platform, why are you playing God on how we can record now? That's my biggest question. It also makes me want to go to my own RSS feed where I choose a different platform to record my material and distribute it however I like. And I own the rights completely because I pay for this to actually be put out and Anchor doesn't own that. So that raises definitely me you know, Not that I really want to leave Anchor, but I definitely want to explore the rights of my recordings and gain more new listenership. So, you know, Anchor, why did you go and change that? I think that was a really bad move on your part. Um, I think you need to stop playing God with the features that we've, you know, that a lot of us have enjoyed. You know, there are a lot of podcasters who do enjoy the messaging and exchange and being able to have control of the input and export of our material and others material shared with us. You know what I'm saying? So I would love to hear an explanation. I'll probably write them a letter some sometime later today, but it did, um, it did bother me. So, you know, h- you know, how far are they really going? You know what I mean? So, but that's my only complaint. I don't really have a complaint about anchor. I am thankful for this platform because it allows me to record for free at this time. Um, I am working on my recording skills. So it's definitely becoming something better. You you know what I'm saying? It's definitely, uh, it's been a gift. It's been helping me sort out a lot of things and, uh, um, you know, having my recorded material lets me know when I share it with people and people give me responses, maybe I can learn a different way, a better way. So I am thankful for podcasting. It is a very helpful tool. So what else we got on Anchor? Um, Not really much. Uh, there's other changes. And right now I'm using the desktop and not my phone. Like I've heard from other people, if you use your Anchor app, it will drain your battery dry on the mobile. So yes, it does. It makes my battery go faster. It doesn't matter. And you got to close out the app, you know, when you're on your mobile. So uh, that's all the time I have for the, Anchor changes and I'm gonna play in a call in. Um Maria telling me that she's unhappy with it, so I'm sharing at least one listener of mine who's called in to tell me that they didn't they don't like the changes, so stay tuned for that call in.
1: Oh Jason, the app, the newest update, has undone the messaging feature in a new and unique way. I can only get the messages one at a time now. It doesn't have the listening. My outgoing messages are no longer here. Am I wrong? I'm not complaining. I just don't have time to readjust right now. I'm not going to be able to do those interviews anymore where I call people and they call me back and I assemble a fun interview with people across the world when I don't have time to do a record with friends. I was loving the way the messages were working. Am I wrong? Do you see your outgoing messages matched up with all the ones I ever gave you?
2: Jason, hello, it's Maria from Strong Body, Strong Soul. And I just want to say for anyone listening here, when you message into someone's show, make sure that you say your name and your station title so that people listening to your voice know who you are. Jason, you just shared a message from somebody and I couldn't tell who it was. It didn't say on uh, on the segment here. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. But I'm enjoying your episode. Talking about water, by the way, I have two comments for you. One of them is there was a recent outbreak of a disease, actually, that was starting to happen to these really wealthy people that only drank bottled water. Their intestines We're starting to wreak havoc because they did not have certain bacterias in there that they needed. So we need bacteria. We need problems in our life. Hey, Jason, how are you? I really need to
0: apologize to you, man. I haven't checked. I didn't know actually how to check the messages on Anchor, and I just saw a bunch of different messages from you and I'm just went through the first one I'm going to go through the rest now thank you so much for your feedback I would love to collaborate with you to do like you know something live where we can ask each other questions and you know get to know each other and 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 get deeper man get deeper into life into into faith into everything you know cuz you sound very interesting I love you know your comments and stuff so let's try to make some time get together and 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 go over this on anchor you know we can have like a nice Like you interview me, I interview you and, and, and just go over some just general thoughts. Let me know what you think. And now it's time for our motivational moment. So as I was talking about Kim K and uh, a lot of the haters, and yes, I was kind of being a hater when I was saying it. um, Anytime someone wants to do something in their life, no matter what their station is, applaud them, cheer them on and hope for the best that they can do it if that's their adventure or their mission. Don't be a hater, don't be a naysayer, don't be a no. Anytime anyone says they wanna do something, instead of saying no, encourage them. Encourage them to go far and achieve, no matter what it is. You may have the doubts, but doesn't mean it has to be theirs. So encourage as well as you should with your children, your associates, your friends, your families, and so on and so forth. That's all the time that we have for Good Vibes Jason B., a Broad Minds and More podcast. You can reach me here on anchor.fm if you wish to call in. You can leave an applaud, which I'd greatly appreciate if you're listening to me through Apple iTunes, uh, what is it, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spreaker, whatever means that you're listening, I appreciate you. If you'd love to write me at goodvibesjasonb.com, at gmail.com I would also greatly appreciate it if you have suggestions for material or even you want to maybe record feel free to reach out I love doing collaborations I've just been reached out to with a few different people so uh and I will also play those call-ins so uh stay tuned and listen to the call-ins and you all have a great day